0: Hey everybody, welcome into the Hockey Show Podcast. We did not get canceled. No, no, we're back. I'm Nick.
1: And I'm John.
0: And Nick, uh, you yeah. ever
1: spend time watching Bruce Lee movies?
0: Yeah, I have. Uh, I have watched
1: some Bruce Lee movies before, yeah. I watched Game of Death this weekend. Okay. And it is quite possibly the biggest train wreck of a movie I've seen in my life.
0: <laughs> I mean, I feel like, I'm going to be quite honest, I think a lot of those films are not
1: really that, good i i don't think a lot of them were designed to be but like that granted this was piecing together a film in like the 70s but bruce lee died in the middle of filming it but he had already filmed like all these like big fight scenes for the climax of it and he has a fight with kareem abdul jabbar and all this cool cool stuff so you can't Mm -hmm. just like let that sit there and rot in a vault somewhere right
0: yeah because that's so, the that's the cool one where no matter what everybody's be seen the kareem fight
1: yeah and it, where he has the yellow jumpsuit on yeah. and all this stuff and the footprints and all and, of that and, <laughs> and so as they're like trying to piece this together they use like b-roll footage from other movies Like, he had fought Chuck Norris in a previous film, and he fights (laughs) Chuck Norris at the beginning of this film as well, for some reason, in suspiciously similar uh, outfits. (laughs) And then the whole rest of it is uh, the guy playing Bruce Lee is wearing these really big sunglasses or is wearing a motorcycle helmet or is standing, like, in the corner somewhere in the dark so you can't see his face. (laughs)
0: It's like when uh, sitcoms cover up the pregnancy. They're
1: always carrying something. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) And then two dresses didn't want to be in it because (laughs) he's like. (laughs) But then, like, Kareem didn't want to be in it because he's like, this is just like a money grab based off of this guy's legacy. And you're using footage from his open casket funeral as part of the story, and that's messed up. So like they introduce his character by just having like a really tall black guy in a dark corner. And they're like, oh, we need you to go to Detroit, take care of this thing, and maybe later fight Bruce Lee. And it just like it was it was wild. I'd never seen anything oh like God. it. Or since.
0: Uh yeah. Well, I mean, just go watch a Fast and the Furious film, then then you've experienced that. Although I can't really hate, I actually enjoyed Fast Ten. That's what I got to uh check out over the weekend was uh the latest in the fast and the furious saga at this point that was totally (laughs) it was just fun it was stupid
1: (laughs) i didn't watch the first one and i've been afraid it is is 10 a good entry point which um
0: you know yeah sure why not you you know it's about family right I, you know I heard that might come up at some point yeah yeah well this is all about family um so yeah that, that's 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 a key theme to this so that's really all you need to know at this point
1: uh no which I, I, one this, is the one where Vin Diesel reads a poem at the end oh God I'd like everyone except for this (laughs) last one.
0: (laughs) No, seriously. Like every one of them ends with the same. uh, What's crazy about it. uh, This is all I'm going to say about it. What's wild about this is that they straight up ripped off like empire strikes back and Avengers infinity war and all of those, because it's the beginning of the end of the road. So Uh... uh, here's, here's a spoiler for like how every movie ends. It's a barbecue it's some form of family barbecue with some form of Vin Diesel speech or something like that. This film does the barbecue in the beginning and then does the whole like infinity war villain of like, I'm going to make you pay Dom. (laughs)
1: Like, uh. (laughs)
0: Like, and it's just Jason Momoa hamming it up for like the 25 minutes he's on screen, which it like his performance is so damn good you're like wow he's really only on screen for like 25 minutes i felt like he carried two hours and 25 minutes
1: yeah yeah there there's worse things to watch for sure but the, really the one i was the one i was referencing was after the guy died and like as the credits were rolling vin diesel read an actual poem about him Oh, God. it was I, very off-putting I mean yeah
0: that's so I'm brand for Vin Diesel man um all right yeah. we're not here to talk 70s pop culture current pop culture we're here speaking to speaking of
1: train wrecks
0: yeah we're here to talk about the NHL and hockey a perfect train wreck uh yeah so since the last time we spoke uh do you want to just say like last week, no show obviously it's uh what the hell it's the playoffs but uh you were doing a lot of traveling john so you were out yeah, of town and I was stuff. In Maryland. yeah you you were running around we couldn't make that work so apologies for that it just happens when you know we have jobs <laughs> and one of us has a much more <laughs> important job that requires a lot of travel so uh but since You're not we a last producer
1: Nick, we get it. Yeah,
0: no, I'm not a producer anymore, baby. I'm a little bigger than that now. I actually <laughs> got my name on the show. Uh, but since the last time we spoke, we're in the conference finals. We now have the Western and Eastern Conference Finals going down, and as of this recording, uh, at least the Eastern Conference Finals appears to almost be over, as last night the Florida Panthers one went away from their. First Stanley Cup appearance since their last Stanley Cup appearance all those years ago. 1996. Yep, when they lost to the Colorado Avalanche in four. Got
1: crushed. Got demolished. Uh, yeah, so, so they start the series off with the fourth longest game in NHL history. Or, excuse me, sixth longest game in NHL history. Which, by the went way, to four which, overtimes.
0: I just want to say, I was so pissed so pissed at that because to, to mentioning the job i wake up at three o'clock in the morning every day so a lot of these games if it's not my team you a woke lot up of the that time, game was still going i woke up right before that game finished if that game did not end with 12 <laughs> seconds to go i would have woken up in time for the fifth overtime and been and what would have made it crazy is i fell asleep to that game when it was one nothing. um uh, oh God God why am I forgetting one nothing on Carolina yeah yeah when it was one nothing Carolina in the second period I fell asleep on the game I woke up turned on the the ABC news and they were like the game just ended like twenty minutes ago and I was like what I didn't even like fully wake up yet and look at Twitter or anything I didn't even see the athletic update of of anything yet so yeah i was a little yeah the local abc whatever the hell pre good morning america news thing uh beat me to the athletic update on my phone because i didn't even look at my phone yet and it was like game just ended we were watching it on the monitors no more than like 15 20 minutes ago so i was a little pissed about the fact that that game ended i because <laughs> i really wanted to wake up to the same game i fell asleep watching <laughs>
1: There, there were so many stories of people, like especially people that are over in Europe for the World Championships right now, being like, "Yeah, like I went, I, uh, I woke up, and uh, by the time I got out of the game, that game was still going." So it was, it was really interesting to see. I, I was had a flight that day. And I was just like, I'm not going to be able to stay up through overtime. And then woke up the next day and said, yeah, I definitely wouldn't have made it through. That.
0: Yeah. Which major um,
1: drops to the fans,
0: uh, of those teams. I love the one hurricanes fan that was asleep behind the bench in, in like the fourth <laughs> time, uh, props know, as well to them? the, yeah, props as well to the PA, Uh, I'm so, so sorry, (laughs) apologizing (laughs) at the end of the third intermission or the third overtime. Like that was one hell of a game one to kick that series off for sure.
1: And then when they went to overtime for game two (laughs) – You were like – Everyone just kind of say, not this again.
0: Yeah, everybody was like, oh, you really just didn't like – no more than 48 hours later, they're like, well, we might have just played like two plus full games. Let's just kind of make it, you know, four full games. Like, yeah, I was uh, – luckily that one only went the one overtime and ended fairly quickly, but still. Yeah, uh, yeah, I think everybody in the back of their head – I know I definitely – the moment I saw overtime went, well, this isn't going to end until like 3
1: in the morning. <laughs> yeah, and so Matthew Kachuk has the game winner in both of those. And yeah. then game three is just one uh Sam Bennett makes a really nice pass. Uh, Hurricanes got to be in trouble at this point, right? Oh, they 100%. start percent Starts of the series looking suspiciously like the last series. Um, well, yeah, uh, I, I just got to
0: say that I feel like what you said about Carolina back uh, when the playoffs began of questioning their scoring and will they be able to know, uh, you know, missing some players and stuff like that, that I think it's starting to catch up to them Uh I think I think we're finally starting to see who they are. No Paccheretti or or like I think your prediction of who's really going to score facing Bobrovsky right now who is just playing his best hockey and rewriting his story in the playoffs. Like that's Bobrovsky's not going to help. just
1: kind of Bobrovsky's just kind of sitting here It's like you remember I won the Vesna twice, right? Dude, Bobrovsky, do okay, you know so what his stats sure are you're... in this series?
0: Well, do you know what his stats are in this series alone? Like, do you want to take a guess what his save percentage is just in this series?
1: Uh, 978. Not that I added you it. You must have it. Before. Yeah, you, you must have it in
0: front of you. Did. You <laughs> did. <laughs> you son of a gun. Uh, yeah, that is so flipping. Like, that is astronomically insane. That is insane well a goalie.
1: It's inflated by playing a four-overtime game, but still. Still, you got to go those four
0: overtimes without giving up a goal.
1: Yeah. And and we all laughed and laughed when that contract was signed. And here we are. Well, I mean,
0: I'm still laughing at it just because the playoffs are going good. That's still a ridiculous contract for his age and how long it is and how old he's going to be. But –
1: it uh, is, but if you win one cup from it and you're a Panthers fan, I don't think you care.
0: Yeah, I mean, this. I, I'm not going to ask that stupid question because I know that no Panthers, every Panthers fan would come at me because I, I was, I was going to do the. Well, I mean, just getting to the Cup final with him would be a great. You know, like you'd have to go. Well, oh, it must have worked out. But no, it, it, the Cup is really what everybody wants. It's never satisfactory to be the second uh, finishing team of the season. You want to be the first, you know, you want to go out on top. You don't want to be the last team to lose a series. Uh, but I do want to like, I don't know. Cause really at this point, I, I don't see the hurricanes being able to win four games in a row. It just doesn't feel like it's possible with what we've
1: seen. Yeah. There's, they they'll probably win one. You would think, uh, you would think, by- but yeah, and we talked about a lot of their uh, injuries and sort of. Stuff. I feel like a lot of people started to come back in this series, aside from Reddy and Sveshnikov. Yeah, and but are those case. people
0: really a hundred hundred percent?
1: That's that has to be the big question, and, and and you always wonder like what it's like for the uh, for the Black Aces or for the. Other guys with the team. It goes really. You're gonna have him with half of his functioning kneecap instead of me. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, but when when people get a chance to push through it, they will. So I feel like as I've gotten older, I don't like to see that as much. The whole you know broken playing on a broken leg or punctured lung or number of things that you usually hear out of the Boston Bruins. You don't like to see it as much. But yeah, they uh, they have really been pushing through, it. and it's been crazy to see Matthew Kachuk really stepping into the spotlight even more than he was before for this game. Did you see the? Uh, did you see the celebration for game two? No. Uh, he scores the goal in overtime, and he just points to the door and just like walks out.
0: God, that's funny. I thought
1: it and it's and it's one of those rinks where it has the button that you have to push with your hockey stick to get the door oh, to open yes. to head out that way. Oh, God, he just points at it and walks over there, and the team's mobbing him and he's just opening the door to leave. It was great.
0: That's funny. That's funny. Uh yeah. I mean, we talked about him back in the Boston series to kick things off where it, it's it felt like, you know, he was setting his uh, stage to uh, be the MVP this postseason. And yeah, he's he's kind of cementing that if they get to this cup final and and they're able to uh, – ho- even if they don't hoist the Stanley Cup, like I could see it. You know it's going to go to whoever the cup winner is. The chance – the odds there just improve drastically. But there's a case to be made for him so far that – him or Bobrovsky, in all honesty, could you know end up taking that
1: yeah, trophy, which is, which is odd because I don't think Kachuk is their leading point scorer right now. But just the way he showed up for every, it, he deserves con Smythe consideration yeah. alone, just for basically single handedly beating the Bruins. I mean,
0: that's okay. and that's no, my he chance. is
1: their he is their po- leading points getter. That's why I'm sick. I'm thinking okay. of Carter Verheyen.
0: Okay. Yeah, like he's he's doing everything out there. He's uh, He is just taking his game to the next level, uh, really making that trade look really smart right now, uh, even though the Panthers had to back into the postseason if it wasn't for the Penguins losing to the Blackhawks, who were intentionally trying to lose. Uh, but yeah. I want to th- I want to throw some more stats at you. Uh, first off, Florida's now won with that win. They've won ten of their past eleven playoff games. Okay, <laughs> that's
1: <laughs> is that good?
0: <laughs> that's uh, I think that's good. Um, that's pretty decent. Uh, another one for you. Facing teams not named the Devils, the Hurricanes have not scored. Two or fewer goals in seven of nine games. Like, is that Sorokin and Bobrovsky? or is that what I was saying with the they they just can't score? Like you you were right, they can't score and now it's all catching up to them.
1: Yeah, and the and you wouldn't think that one player coming out of the lineup would have that much of an effect, but just like the their leading point scorer is Sebastian Aho, and he has twelve points. Compare that to Matthew Kichuk, who has nineteen in a, in a few more games played, but uh, still, that is a pretty serious gap between how much uh, the teams are producing. Uh, and then go
0: ahead. No, 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 you you can go.
1: Oh, and I was going to say just like the other part that stands out for it is you is that it just seems like it's so much more spread out for who they have scoring. Uh like so Jordan Martinuk was the was, you know, turning into the modern Wayne Gretzky halfway through the devil series. And now he is, has had nothing against the Panthers he he, no points uh no assists, nothing and he's a minus one which you know plus minus is an overrated stat but you know what I mean uh so I think that that almost kind of stands out as this might be a one-line team to a certain degree and it's really starting to catch up with the Hurricanes as well
0: yeah uh whatever it is, they, they need to, I mean, they need to figure it out quick to not get swept, but I, I just don't like, again, there's just, it's crazy to me that we're going to have the Florida Panthers in the Stanley cup final, because that is what everybody predicted when they got into the playoffs and they had to face Boston to start things off.
1: I'm yeah, just, there wow. there wasn't a huge number of Maple Leaf or Boston or Hurricanes uh, predictions at all, okay. uh, and, and it and it and it feels a little a team like that kind of coming out of nowhere. You know, similar to when the Golden Knights went to the final and everyone just kind of said, you know, you knew what was going to happen against the Capitals, but I feel like that's not the case with this Panthers team just because of who they've had to get through to get here you know yeah
0: yeah i will say this this panthers team has been really fun to watch like as as you know as somebody that now i'm i'm not invested with my team anymore so now i can just watch it and enjoy the games like i really enjoy watching the panthers play hockey and i'm very much on like that this is a fun train this is a fun team to watch this is a team that right now is playing some really good hockey and it's 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 a blast to see them out there
1: they, they seem like they're a very likable team too they, yeah. they
0: even with know, it outside
1: Kachuk. of yeah yeah <laughs> K- Kachuk, not not fun to watch them play against your team but other than that yeah uh but yeah it, it seems like it's a I don't know. There's just like a, a different feel to this, a different vibe to this team. Because uh, thinking of, uh, th- there's, there's a positive potential fallout from this and there's a negative potential fallout from Florida doing this well as well. Uh, aside from just giving Panthers fans something to cheer about and hopefully growing that market a bit. Uh, the positive potential fallout is last year uh, they won the President's Trophy they mm-hmm. got eliminated in the first round they said we have to make a really big bold move and they did and it has paid off significantly and so yep. i think the hope is that you know when big blockbuster trades are happening that's just fun especially when it doesn't involve my team so <laughs> so i i'm hoping that teams will take notice of that and say and be a little bit less prone to uh to avoiding risk like that, the downside that I see it is them having this much success as an eighth seed, as a wait until the last two days of the season to see if you even made the playoffs team. I feel like a lot of teams will kind of point to that and say, "Well, hey, look, Florida, you know, made it to the Cup final as an eighth seed, won the Cup as an eighth seed. Anything can happen if we get in, which." It can and it can't. Uh, you know, every, you point to that St. Louis Blues team uh, that uh, was the worst team in the league, made it in as an eighth seed and won the cup. Yeah, they had a pretty significant coaching change in the middle of the season and goaltending change. That tends to help. Uh, the Kings, when they won their first cup as an eighth seed, very similar situation. So I hate. The idea that the narrative gets boiled down to, well, all you have to do is get into the playoffs and anything can happen. Uh, Even though it's happened three times in the last 10 years, uh, more than it has to the President's Trophy winners. It's just, it's a really simplified narrative that I'm going to get really tired of hearing really quickly.
0: Yeah, I I think there's something more to be said to the when you're one of the teams fighting all the way in and for a team like florida they had to really play good hockey for the last two months to get into the playoffs there's something to be said for turning it on and having that and you know you can look to other sports as well i mean you i would say look to major league baseball in the world series last year the philadelphia phillies got to the world series that was a team that barely got into the playoffs through the baseball's weird, weird wild card set up, and they were the second wild card team. Uh, they eventually fell in the World Series, but they rode <laughs> yeah. that good momentum of having to play their way in, and were playing great leading into it. So I think there's more to say to that, but I get what you're saying because this is a parody league that it's going to be one or the other, and people are just going to kind of – you're going to get both sides and you're going to get a split in – What half's going to take the, you got to make a move like what they did for uh, Kachuk, and everybody's going to go looking for their Kachuk. Uh, And then there's going to be the other end of the... (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, but but there's going to be more of those. There there might be more swings. Uh, Whoever ends up in in the job in Toronto might be willing to take a swing. Uh, Whoever ends up in Pittsburgh might be willing to take a swing. Uh, Places we'll talk about coming up. Uh, But before we uh, move on to the West, uh, there were two other things that I wanted to uh, talk about. Uh, One is that Panthers captain Alexander Barkov he left the first period of the game last night. Uh, Lower body injury, and he is questionable after he did not return to the Panthers lineup last night. Uh, No word from Coach Paul Maurice still whether or not he's going to be in the game tomorrow night.
1: Yeah, I I, I don't think anyone's surprised that they haven't come out and said what the injury is or if he's going to be ready to go. But regardless, you got to be a little bit concerned if you're a Panthers fan
0: yeah yeah that's that's a little bit, but then having that three o series lead, uh, you know i I wonder do you just kind of sit him out the next game maybe maybe that instead of the way that the Panthers we feel have players that are playing at like fifty or less percent, give this guy a little rest he can you can you can give him a game off. It's okay.
1: I mean, I don't know a lot about the guy that's rotating in for him, so I can't say for certain what it would potentially be like for that. But I do know you're going to have a long layoff between the end of this series and the Stanley Cup yeah. uh, final starting regardless. So I would maybe consider keeping him in and just Rolling you know, saying, deck. hey, you'll get to rest plenty once you end this series.
0: Okay. Uh, and then the last thing is, did you see the, uh, when it was one, nothing with about 10 seconds to go, uh, I think it was stall hit the empty netter, but it was waved off because the officials missed the high stick on uh, our share, but reviewed it as well. And then didn't call a penalty on the play. And then offered up no explanation on any of it after the game like did you see any of that
1: i i didn't see it live i i did read about it the next day and was just very confused um i feel like i haven't seen much of an explanation for it no
0: there has been like no explanations at this point which may which kind of just annoys me and I'm getting very annoyed in all sports about this that I feel on plays like that because it was clearly a high stick in the moment. They stopped the play, waved off the goal, reviewed it. You see, it's a high stick. Like it is so clear as day, real time. And then in replay, it's a high stick. And then there's no penalty called. And to not give an explanation as to why, I feel like I'm tired of the fact that. In a lot of these sports the officials can just hide in their room and not have to address the media like if the players in the nba players get fined every sport players get fined if they don't address the media why do the officials get a free pass i'm, I'm really tired of this just in all sports because it's been a big thing in major league baseball this year as well because there have been a lot of really what the hell type of moments and people getting ejected for simply clapping, like, and then no explanation as to what, why, or what happened, or what led to it. And it's like, well, tell us, did something you know three innings prior be said that led to that short temper? So I'm tired of it and, across all sports, and it, it's just frustrating after last night.
1: And, and I feel like the. Correct me if I'm wrong here, but I'm pretty sure NBA officials have to have press conferences after. They have to address
0: if they, if, if, yeah, they actually have to address them. And, but I am like 95% sure NFL officials can release a statement, but they don't have to actually, like every one of them can release, but they don't have to actually come out and address if they don't want to. And MLB, they definitely don't have to. And the NHL, clearly they don't have to as well which yeah. i just hate and, that. And, and- I think something needs to change with that. Like I don't think it's fair for them to uh, Sorry, it's a bit of a rant right now because it's just a lot of frustration from <laughs> from a lot of different sports watching where it's like I just don't get how you protect them so much. If they do if they make a call that is like yeah, we missed a high stick, we watched a replay and we still determined it wasn't a high stick when everybody else is like, "Yeah, but he smacked him in the face with his stick." Can you explain yeah, I, why not? <laughs>
1: like like we deserve that. And usually that. You get some sort of explanation from the NHL the next day. That this was this was unusual that there wasn't really anything just kind of laying out silent. what happened or an explanation for it.
0: Yeah, there's just silence. Like I would take anything in the sense of like we just determined it didn't impact the player, or whatever, or, you know, with 10 seconds left, it does it, you know, like I would take whatever bad excuse they're going to, they'll, they'll give. I know Brendan Moore was, uh, he towed the line. I thought I was unsure in his uh, post game presser, if he was going to actually go that cross that line and fully criticize the officials, but he managed to, uh play the well, you know, we only got like the one penalty, and we got called for a few sticks to the hand stuff, and it's upsetting, and I was like, uh oh, just say it, just say it
1: <laughs> I mean, well well and and there's a art to the way coaches do that, and you know try to keep track of who's gotten how many penalties and now we should get you know these calls and that whole thing, but. Yeah, it's uh, it's been wild.
0: Yeah. All right. Um, let's shift over to the Western Conference Finals. Uh, Stars they are really hoping to get back into this one as the series is shifting back to Dallas. They dropped uh, the game the other night in overtime to Vegas. Uh, Brett Howden, former New York Ranger, great with the goal. Uh, depending on what circles of the Ranger fandom you see on your social media pages. Uh but really I I I mean there there are two reasons why I think Vegas has the upper hand so far in this series. One Jack Eichel is totally going Jack Eichel. He's got the 6 goals in 13 playoff games, so he's just kind of finally getting that chance to show on the the main stage here. Why p why why players were shooting into their own nets to try and get Try and (laughs) land But nobody tanks, right? Nobody tanks in the NHL. They don't do that. That was an accident to shoot it into their own net. Um,
1: (laughs) And and, and you got got to feel good for Jack Eichel. Yeah. This has been just a coming out party for him, for lack of a better term. Uh, He's leading the team with 15 points in 13 games and. All year, people like us talked about how much better Buffalo looked without Jack Eichel, and now it's just all of a sudden he gets to kind of come at, to the stage and kind of have his moment a little bit as well. It's it's nice to see.
0: Yeah, it's the reminder
1: for everything he had to overcome with the neck injury.
0: Yeah. Yes yeah to for him to overcome the neck injury, but but I, I was gonna throw out it's just a reminder, like again, like I joked with the players tanking for him or teams not tanking for him. Um, like it's a reminder that this guy is really good. Like we were all like you said, we were all focused on how good Buffalo looked, but I like that trade to me now when we look at it in hindsight, it's perfect for both sides. This is this this is a superstar that Vegas has that's becoming the superstar that they can count on in the postseason, which is exactly what they need, what they were hoping for. And Buffalo able to move a star player and add the other pieces they needed. And now you have the Tage Thompsons and the and the Tucks and all of that that are starting to give your team more of a depth that makes you more dangerous where Vegas already had the depth. They just were looking for a first line center and they got it. Uh, I think the other thing though, that Vegas is helping them right now. And it's crazy to say, because really uh, if we did the show last week, I wanted to talk about how uh, the only goalie that you can count on anymore is Jake Ottinger, but it appears that's not really the case uh, and Aiden Hill, the series. yeah, Aiden Hill uh, becoming, outside of Eichel, becoming the playoff hero for the Vegas Golden Knights.
1: And, and I, I could be wrong. I think Aiden Hill was on waivers earlier this year, too, ju- just as part of a ongoing logjam that was happening and that for the Golden Knights. But, man, he has worked out something special here he he's uh he has uh five games played a 930 safe percentage which is just world beating for the nhl this year he is getting it done when it matters most for him and when uh Laurent brossois has uh faltered a little aiden hills there to pick it up a little bit almost kind of referencing back to last year's winner in Colorado, maybe you don't need really good goaltending to get out of the West.
0: I, yeah, that's true. Um, I, but I don't know. Like he's, I don't know. Cause he's like, like, the thing is, is it's one of those with him where it's not like what I was saying where I was trying to warn Devils fans and everybody that was like, oh, the devil got the Rangers. Cause they got a good goalie. Now it's like, no, your goalie situation is bad. Like it's still very bad, and Carolina exposed how bad it truly is. This is one where, uh, like, Aiden Hill is the main reason, really, why Vegas was able to get that game winner. Um, in game two, I I said Howden. Uh, Howden, I think, was game one. Uh, Game two was Chandler Stevenson's uh, game winner, but it was Aiden Hill. uh, He made that sensational save like 30 seconds prior to that rush out where the high danger chance right in front where vegas just misangled the puck in the neutral zone and ended up putting it behind their net two guys caught down low one guy up and like it was one of those like oh that's the game but aiden hill six foot six big body where have we heard that tampa um you know using that big body of his like He's looked good. He's cut down angles. He's he's made what was what what is a high scoring team in Dallas. Uh, so, what was it? I think it was the start of maybe there was the start of the game. The Rupe hints he made a huge save on him. Like he has made some. Like <coughs> excuse me, it, it, it hasn't been a good defense in front of him with a bad offense on the other end. This has been a high powered offense coming at a defense that's looked pretty shaky at a goalie that has stood on his head at times for the, for his team. So, I uh, I don't think this is, you know, a 27 year old that's been fighting for a starting position for like six years. I don't think this is it, but it could ride you to a cup.
1: Yeah. And, and there's, there's two things that I would point out to why the stars still are uh, the- I, I why, Let's put it this way. Why Vegas is not necessarily comfortable going into Dallas no. right now. Uh, first one is Minnesota Wild series started 2-1. And Dallas came back and won it. The series against the Kraken, they dropped the first yep. game and they dropped the third game. And they came back to win it. So for Dallas to kind of have a slow start, if I'm the Stars, I'm not all that worried because they've been doing this the entire playoffs. For one reason or another, they just have, it takes them a little while to kind of get into a series. Maybe that's adjustments Peter DeBoer has to make. Maybe that's adjustments the players have to make. I don't know. Uh, But one other big adjustment that would have me a little worried if I'm the Golden Knights is Jason Robertson all of a sudden has started scoring. Uh, he had mm-hmm. a real quiet playoff leading up to this point, uh, but now he has – You forgot he goals. was out there. <laughs> yeah, you, you 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 did. You genuinely wondered if he was injured or something like that going into this. Mm-hmm. So now if he's starting to wake up and will join, you know, Rupe Hintz, Joe Pawlowski, Tyler Sagan, you know, and on and on the list goes, uh, that could be really difficult to handle potentially.
0: Uh, oh, 100%. That that right there is a huge key to that offense. Because that like, like Dallas has been scoring. Uh, I mean, granted, Pavelski has just been, what's that? How is that even possible? But Dallas is a good high-powered offense team. And the guy that we thought would be like leading them in points it's just been invisible, but it's starting to show up. So, and I think you're right. Like Dallas has started slow in every series and I'm not counting them out. This isn't, I mean, granted, I wasn't counting Carolina out and now they're down three Oh, uh, but what I will mean, you say lose two every, games
1: at home. you kind of start to wonder.
0: Well, I mean, the, the, there, there was a first round series where everybody thought that, when a road team won two yeah. games, yeah. it was, so I'm, I was not set on that. Uh, but I will, I, but I was just going to throw that out as well with, it's not really a series yet to me because Vegas won their two home games. I really do expect Dallas to win their two home games. And I like, you're right. Florida probably going to be waiting a very long time in all honesty, because even if Carolina pulls out Game Four, I I just don't know if they pull out a Game Five and then a Game Six. So, but I could see this series going six. I think this is a six-game series. I I I don't know who I want though, because like now that now that it seems evident that it's Florida going to the Cup final, uh, barring what would end up being one of the greatest sports comeback stories ever, that would have to end in a Cup run for them. With the Hurricanes, but I don't know who I want them to face more. Like, do do you want a Florida Dallas Red State versus Red State <laughs> DeSantis versus Abbott? <laughs> like, is that what we're going for? <laughs> uh, you know, or are we pulling for <laughs> the Vegas one, the and and the and the Golden Knights and and their second? Western Conference final championship in their existence. And everybody's head's just exploding from that. And more Canadian articles about how this is what Gary Bettman wants. And it's a conspiracy to prevent Toronto from ever winning a cup. And Montreal and all of them. And how dare they? It's been 30 years, but now we're going to get a Vegas one. What are the the second newest team in the league? uh, Or Florida, Bettman's pet project of Southern hockey. Yeah. What was the question?
1: Uh, <laughs> the the, the yeah, what, what's I, I the cup
0: final you want?
1: <laughs> uh, I, I think you you always hear hockey writers complain about what the travel is like for the final and everything like that, and uh, right. And I think like the one like the Vancouver Boston one or the Rangers Kings one uh, really killed them. Uh, but if they get to do Vegas, followed up by Miami, I don't think anyone is going to complain about that, especially since it's early enough in the year before the weather has just gotten unbearably hot in both of those places. Actually,
0: I'm just thinking right now, June in Miami trying to play hockey like that's, uh, and-
1: that's cool to me. And, and I think Gretzky mentioned it on one of the broadcasts the other night where he was saying that uh, the uh, in the southern states with the increased humidity, like the ice isn't quite as good. So that's like something you have, kind of have to like game plan for and adjust for. Uh, and I'm not about to tell him he's wrong. So it, it'll it'll be interesting to kind of see what that situation is like in real high heat environments. But I feel like any time a Florida team's been in a final or when Vegas was in a final, uh, the other year, we never heard anything about it. So maybe there isn't as much to that. I don't know.
0: Yeah, I, I, well, I think it's definitely a thing because, uh, it just makes the ice a little chippier. It's harder to kind of maintain in those warmer, those warmer temperatures, uh, but at the end of the day, these are professional athletes. I I think Gretzky's right where the coaches and the players, like they've all played, they've all done it before. They know what it's like, you know, all right, we're going to a warmer climate for a game. The ice is probably going to suck right now at this time of the year, whatever, you know, I I don't think it plays that big of a, I don't think it plays as big of a deal as we make it out to play. Uh, and Jack, Jack Todd, by the way, uh, for all of you who were like, why was I going in on the Canadian thing? Jack Todd uh, wrote a crazy article for the Montreal Gazette pretty much right at the start of these conference and Western conference vitals about how this is Bettman's vision of Southern hockey and it's bad for Canada and bad news for us. And, What are those, whoa, it's me, it's not fair that the Maple Leafs aren't winning a championship and that it's taken 30 years for bad Canadian teams to be unable to right the ship and win a cup. And
1: I mean, uh, get good.
0: Really, honestly, (laughs) honestly,
1: get good. Which is why
0: we're going to talk about Canada in a moment.
1: (laughs) Yeah, when the Leafs and the Oilers got eliminated, it was... Listening to Sportsnet, it was like a crisis of confidence as they're trying to talk about why these teams aren't able to win anything since 1993. Meanwhile, Vegas is sitting over here with more Canadian players than any other team in the league. Like, it, it's it's not the same being. Oh, we're developing all these good hockey players. It's like, yeah, and they're not necessarily playing for your teams, dude. Yeah. Like you. You get how this this works, right? The draft, the free agency, you understand all of that.
0: Oh, oh, oh. But, the, but according to uh, that article at the Montreal Gazette, it, it was made super easy for Vegas and for Seattle to be this good. Um, I don't really buy that. I mean, granted, maybe the Vegas one, but the Vegas one was everybody screwed up. Every team screwed up that draft and handed Vegas essentially the perfect roster to be competitive. And everybody turned around in the Seattle draft and went, "Mm -mm -mm," and didn't really give them a chance to be that good. And also Seattle took a different path. Vegas wanted to be aggressive and competitive and be a contender right away. That was their model. That was how their GM worked, you know, kind of like how none of the GMs, up in those Canadian teams kind of work. Winnipeg is up there sitting there and going, oh, we're just going to keep doing the same thing every single year. Vancouver is handing out contracts to JT Miller when they should be trading him because they think that they're a contender when they're not. That's the issue. You have smart people running an expansion team that are doing a better job at it in their first year than people that have been given green lights to stay in their job for many, many years and have had no success. Or have just ridden the backs of great American goaltending and Connor Hellebuck and ruining an American legend's
1: career. Foot de la camp, Montreal. <laughs> uh, as, as much as I love you and want to have my bachelor party there. Yeah, I still, I, you, I still I still
0: uh, love you, Canada. I still love you.
1: But yeah, the the the, the whole there is the an extraordinarily difficult league to win in much less have sustained success in and there's a hundred different factors that go into a hundred different things for how a hockey game comes out or is it batman's out to get people but we we gravitate towards simple answers
0: Oh, yeah, obviously. I mean, because Bettman's obviously out to get everybody. It's always a conspiracy theory. Uh, you know, Bettman hates the Canadian teams. That's why he didn't move. That's why you haven't gotten a Canadian team. The Atlanta Thrashers moving back to Canada. That's why you haven't gotten a team. That's why you're not getting teams. Again, the Atlanta Thrashers.
1: They got Atlanta's team uh, twice.
0: Yeah, come on. Come on. Seriously, in two different cities. Uh, and one of them, you got to keep the name, uh, Hey, actually one of those teams, Calgary flames. Uh, how about that? They have promoted, decent, yeah, uh, yeah. They promoted their assistant GM baby.
1: Yeah. Uh, Craig Conroy, who ended his playing career with the flames and has worked in their front office ever since, uh, got the call, Uh, that he is going to uh, be taken over as GM there, which uh, good for him. I don't have a particularly strong feelings about him positively or negatively. Uh, Good luck is what I would say, given that roster. Uh, in his press conference. He did specifically call out how uh, they let Johnny, Johnny Goudreau walk for nothing and basically said, we can't ever do that again. And everyone just kind of looks over at Elias Lindholm, whose deal is going to be up this year and Tyler Toffoli and goes, Oh, are you now? Uh, So I, I think he's, he's going to have some difficult decisions to make here. And I think with the way that he's talked about that, I would not be surprised to see some flames players on the move. If they are not intent on re-signing.
0: Yeah. Yeah. uh, And that's kind of, I mean, to be honest, that I think would be the smartest move. And you buy yourself some time as a new GM if you do that, because you kind of, I imagine they had the conversation beforehand, but essentially if you're willing to move guys that don't want to sign those extensions, you're kind of signaling it's a rebuild. Uh, you know,
1: it's, it's, uh, it would make a lot of sense to just come in and blow it up because you always have the, uh, you always have the defense of well hey I didn't sign these guys. Exactly. You know, it makes you feel bad for McKinsey Weger and Jonathan Huberto. But uh yeah. yeah. I, I don't mean, know I don't know what I I would not know what the move is with that team to start with. I, I would I, I would say you maybe wait a month or two and kind of see how it meshes and with whoever you pick as the coach. Uh which is another reason he's behind the eight ball. He doesn't have the eject button of being able to say, well, I didn't have my guy in there. Uh, whoever yeah. comes into coach is going to be his guy.
0: Oh, well, and that's, and that's kind of, that's another, that's an, that's another reason why I think it, you could sell a rebuild if you wanted to, or a lot of trade-offs. Uh, I mean, for all we know, they could go ahead and look to move like a wind home. And like one of those deals that kind of what happened with the Kachuk deal, you know, mm-hmm. a- and trying broker one of those style of deals again, where we get a guy that, you know, we, we, we give you a star for one of your stars that fits our needs. And this one fits your needs. Uh, Look at what we did last year when we, when we traded Kachuk, you know, you want, you want the next version of that? We got it right here. Give us this player and this draft pick. Uh, But you mentioned, you mentioned, what was that?
1: You know what I think would be kind of funny that just came to mind right now? Was that? Uh, if the Carolina Hurricanes are lacking in uh, offense, maybe they look to acquire a player like Elias Lindholm, who it just so happened was drafted by the Carolina Hurricanes. I remember.
0: I, I remember he was uh, a hurricane there for a hot moment. Uh they hey, that could happen. Uh, I think though Carolina's got some other issues to worry about with some players that need contracts and some contracts as well, as some kind of more bloated contracts that are there for like a final year or two uh, plus the goalie situation. Yeah. They got to really figure out uh, in Carolina. Yeah. No, but, you, you had met- <coughs> yeah. Uh, but with the flames, you mentioned that whoever he brings in as his coach, I think that also will be a big indication of what direction they're going in. Uh, is it another retread? Is it a uh, new coach? What coach is it? Because a name you threw out that I actually did not see linked to this job uh, was Gerard Gallant. And if Gallant is the guy you're looking at, that's not a rebuild coach. That's a, we believe that yeah. this team can win. And this is a guy that's going to get you hundred points in the regular season and then suck it up in the postseason. But you know, that's neither here nor there.
1: Yeah, and, and this was just thrown out by Pierre Lebrun about an hour before we started recording. Uh, but he he did also kind of point out that Gerard Gallant has a history with Jonathan Huberdeau down in Florida. Uh, so no, if there true. was someone to figure out what could get him going, that like I I would go to uh, Gallant for that first. Uh, but yeah, just like. In general, I feel like when teams are interviewing coaches and GMs, they tend to cast a really wide net because it's almost like a free consultation to kind of say, what do you think's wrong with this team? What would you do if you were in charge and this, that and the other? And so then you just get to have a few hours of being of getting to pick somebody's brain about your team. But yeah, it it seems as though Gerard Gallant's name has been thrown out there. Uh, Makes it sound like he's at the top of the list for things. uh, Which uh, I want—I want to say what is the name of their AHL Cup? God bless it! I had this and I didn't write it down because I have
0: no idea. I have no idea who that is. But yeah, if it's Gallant, like then to me it screams that they are looking to. Uh, th- that they believe that they are still a competitive team and they just need the right coach that can get them there. And for the next two years, that would be a great hire. Uh, you know, it would be a great two-year plan to have on there. If you think that that's that team can get to the playoffs still, uh, Mitch Lund, definitely. Ah.
1: That's a cool name.
0: Uh, Calgary um,
1: Wranglers coach. He just got named coach of the year for the AHL. So he's clearly doing something right. Uh, yeah, yeah, I, I would I – would. I, if I'm the Flames, I'd much rather kind of see him step in and maybe see what happens rather than just kind of recycling the same people through head coach positions. But that's more of an NHL-wide thing than a Flames thing.
0: Yeah, because I know even with uh, apparently with the Rangers search for their next coach, uh, a name I keep seeing popping up over the last 24 hours that has interviewed and I guess is close to the top of the list, if not at the top of the list, while they are keeping an eye on the situations in Pittsburgh that we'll talk about uh, and Toronto and a few other places. But uh, remember when I threw out the name Peter Laviolette? And, mm-hmm. yeah, apparently that is the route that it appears Chris Drury is uh, leaning towards. That that seems to be the name that I've seen circled uh, around a lot by a lot of the Ranger uh, beat writers and insiders. Uh, and not just Brooks from, you know, the New York Post. Like, I'm talking pretty much everybody. Like, the USA Today, uh, everybody that covers the Rangers has pretty much been like, a name I'm hearing a lot is Peter Laviolette.
1: And I'm like oh, Yeah, God. I'm I'm hearing a lot of the same names hanging around for Columbus and for the Rangers, which makes sense because I feel like their their front offices are almost interchangeable sometimes, especially with the way John Davison's <laughs> yeah. career has gone. Uh, but for, yeah, yeah I, I'm hearing Lafayette, Babcock has been thrown out there. Larry Brooks threw something out today that I thought was really bizarre. It was Sergei Fedorov as a potential coach for the Blue Jackets. And I'm not sure if he's throwing that out there because he has somebody that genuinely thinks it, happen- it could happen. Or if it's more of just looking be like, oh, Fedorov played for the Blue Jackets. Yeah, I guess that could happen.
0: Well, yeah, because uh, Brooks's tweet is, so I have heard an intriguing name attached to the Blue Jackets. If Babcock is not hired, this would be a long shot for sure, but I'm told that Fedorov could be in the mix. And I'm not going to lie, Brooks is pretty good on the insider thing i loved your your message to me where it just was like is this a fake account and i was like nope that's that's the real larry brooks man
1: that's brooksy because there's that's, no verification anymore so i can't tell. uh, uh
0: yeah, i, I actually that- don't think he was ever verified at the end of the day
1: oh well then
0: <laughs> to uh, be honest with you because I, I think he changed his handle a while back and lost his check and then i see I see. Yeah,
1: uh, yeah. I would think Fedorov would be more interested in the Capitals' job than the Blue Jackets. Uh, but then again, if if uh, if Fedorov is going to the Blue Jackets, then you could see uh, Vitelly Krafsov get drafted by him at third as well. So remains to be seen, I guess. But yeah. Uh,
0: it's, it's, it's an interesting coach's carousel right now. Uh, uh interesting names. I kind of like
1: totally yeah. I think Mitch is who I'm talking about. He's playing for SKA okay. right now who Fedorov is currently coaching. I'm an idiot today. I'm sorry.
0: Okay. I was confused. I was like, I was like, well, Kratsov was drafted. Uh, and now he signed a two year deal to go back to the KHL. So he's under
1: vancouver but i was just going with it so that would be highly uh, unusual if columbus drafted him but not outside the realm of possibility
0: exactly it could happen right uh all right yeah some other news from around the league uh today a big tweet went out david pagnota uh xm for nhl and HL network uh he's the editor-in-chief of the fourth period uh He tweeted out that he was being told the NHL is going to host two stadium series games next season in February, 2024 at MetLife stadium back to back days involving four teams, devils, flyers and Islanders
1: Rangers. Kind of cool to involve the flyers in it and make it just like every team remotely close into this area is going to be coming into this. Uh, Thought it was a, le- a little weird that they didn't do it because because they've they've done it at City Field before, haven't they?
0: Yes, City Field and Yankee Stadium have hosted games.
1: Okay, I was gonna say I, I thought I was imagining it for a second, uh, but yeah, they uh, they they'll the, we'll see what he ends up uh, looking like or what that event ends up looking like if they try to do anything different to dress it up. Uh, but, yeah, for for I, I was a little surprised to hear it just in the sense that the league has seemed to try to push to do a lot of new things. And this just seems like a very safe thing. Uh, yeah. Gr- granted, I, I don't think he said when it is, but uh, what are you doing when that comes up? Because I could think of worse ways to spend two days.
0: I'm not 100% sure yet because that's very far away, but probably looking into how much uh, my life will need to be thrown away to go see at least one of the games. Uh, but, yeah, I, I – okay, so my initial reaction to this was, wow, that's really cool. That's that's like back-to-back days, same same stadium, like – you're going for the, the 60,000 fans, easy drive for Philly fans, easy drive for Devils fans, easy for Rangers and Islanders fans to get to. Like, really cool. But then, like you said, then I started to really think about it, and I was like, but really safe, because you have such diehard passionate fans of these fan bases that, yeah, you're going to get 60,000 Devils and Flyers fans in there for that game. You're going to get 60,000 Islanders and Ranger fans in there for that game. But at the end of the day, like, I, I, I just don't know. It, it just, it, it also sits a little weird with me. Cause I'm like, well, MetLife stadium. I know the New York Jets and Giants play there, but it's in Jersey. So you got the Islanders and the Rangers playing a game in Jersey, not anywhere in New York, uh, you know, the devil's flyers doing that. I, yeah, I, that makes sense. And as I, you know,
1: the Rangers can only play their home games at Madison square garden. Uh,
0: the, so that's the other thing there goes, uh, th- 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 thank you for bringing that up. Cause I was going to, but this is an Islanders home game. <laughs> so the Islanders have lost one of their 41 home games on the year to play in New Jersey. Like, I, I don't know, like I'm a little toss up on it cause it's totally a cool, like it, it it's clever in the sense of the back to back days. Cause we've ne- we, we haven't done that. It, it's clever to do that. It's clever to incorporate all four teams from that metropolitan area. But I also just find it weird that they're going back to the well of, well, the Islanders Rangers rivalry, because to me, the one that would have made sense would have been doing Rangers devils after this past postseason, Like, that would have yeah.
1: been it, the one to me. And, and I feel like Blue Jackets fans are Got clamoring there. that they still haven't gotten an outdoor event yet. But it, it was,
0: <clears> listen, Blue Jacket one? fans, Vegas and, is going to get one, and Seattle's getting one before you. Calm down. Le- yeah. But, <laughs> Literally, I'll, I'll tell Seattle's you getting one next year. They're getting the New Year's.
1: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Against Vegas. Yeah. Uh, I'll tell you who's <laughs> not going to get one the coyotes
0: uh well do we want to go coyotes right now or do we want to talk go back to canada and and what's happening in toronto let's talk about toronto okay yeah because <laughs> tease for the coyotes but yeah let's talk toronto uh kyle Dubas, maple Leafs. they were like hey i like you you like me yeah i like you you like me yeah we should uh, make something work out, and then about five days later, Kyle Dubis gone, and the butterfly yeah, effect. It, after that, the ripple effect of everybody is essentially gone now. People resigning, yeah, like it's Jason, crazy.
1: <laughs> yeah, Jason Spezza resigned. Uh, there's other pl- people that seem up in the air. Someone described it as Game of Thrones in the Maple Leafs front office right now. It, it's it's chaotic A- and. And and like we only have one side to the story and it seems like Kyle Dubas is pretty dedicated to not giving us the other Mm -hmm. side, which is his right. Uh, But when you come out and do a press conference and, you know, it sounds really good saying, oh, you know, I want to figure out what's best for my family and everything like that. Uh, At the same time, if you're one of the faces of the franchises and, almost kind of outwardly saying, yeah, I'm not sure if I still want to be here anymore. I kind of get where Shanahan's coming from where he's saying, hey, why don't you go ahead and get out of here then? Yeah. Uh, so, so it's it's going to be fascinating to see what the ripple effects of this are. Because Austin Matthews has repeatedly said that he has a lot of comfort working with Kyle Dubas and stuff like that. Could this jeopardize his you know willingness to resign there? I don't know. Uh, but it seems like it's reasonable to ask at this point. And then uh, you saw the Penguins just about all seemed ready to go ahead and uh, and get a GM in place. Then you hear Kyle Dubas is on the market, and it's like, hold everything.
0: Yeah. And,
1: and- uh, I was going to say in LeBron's uh, – thing on TSN, he did mention that Peter Ciarelli and Mark Bergevin were were both told after one interview they would not be considered for the Penguins. Uh, Again, you cast a wide net. You get that free consultation, even if it's ridiculous to still interview those people. Uh, Eric Tulsky, uh, AGM in Carolina, was told after a second interview it it won't be going forward, uh, as did Dan McKinnon, who's the AGM in New Jersey. Uh, So... I don't know who else you would get outside of Dubis, but if you are the Maple Leafs at this point, the best guy on the market is the guy you just got rid of. I don't know how, how great of a decision this was for them.
0: Yeah, this is, I mean, and and we mentioned the ripple effect. Uh, it's really, I, I'm really curious what comes from this. Who's the next person to come in and take and be the GM of this team. You brought up Matthews. What does this mean for him? Because he's going to be, he's coming up on that contract negotiation as well. Uh, What does this mean for any of the players that are under contract? You know, I've seen a a lot of the talk I know has been players might not be safe who we thought were safe in Toronto. So what what does that really mean moving forward? Uh, I'm, I was, I know when you messaged me, I, I I I was shocked, but I wasn't shocked. Because I had the feeling after that Toronto series that or after that Florida series that he wasn't gonna be back. Just because it was great, you exercised those first round demons, but you got so annihilated that it's just somebody needs to fall for that.
1: And and it was it was I don't think it's unusual to have to view it from that high a level and say, okay, after all this, you know, success and you lose in five in the second round, uh, that, you know, erases all that goodwill there. What was weird was to see both sides seem like they were, you know, really looking at committing and making it work, and then turning around and saying, No, we're not gonna do this. So I it's Again, I'm sure there's two sides to that story. Uh, we're only going to hear one of them, it seems like. Uh, but yeah, the uh, it's it it doesn't seem like it would be much of a stretch to put Dubis in Pittsburgh. It's just kind of a matter of if he wants to jump back into that right away so quickly. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, with what they're talking about with Toronto, they're like, oh, could this person be considered for it? It's like they interviewed him 20 years ago. I, yeah. don't think they
0: have uh, I can't think off the top of my head. I was going to say somebody that's uh, like is uh, Lester Patrick uh, around. <laughs> <laughs> I was trying to I was trying to make a more closer poll. But uh, yeah. Uh, by the way, uh, do you happen to have that Vegas Dallas game on right now?
1: Oh my God.
0: <laughs> yeah. Ottinger's already out.
1: Yeah. Uh, what, what is there more of at this point? Vegas night's goals or Aiden Hill saves?
0: I uh, trick yeah. question. They're
1: both the same.
0: Yeah. Wow. Um, so yeah, uh, Dubis is out there. Uh, I, I feel like you you brought up Pittsburgh. I feel like Pittsburgh is the place where he's going to end up going. Which, uh, if you're any f- fan of a metropolitan team, that's not something you want to hear, uh, especially. But but I would be curious too to see what he would do with that team. Like, how does he make that team work? And actually, does he even want that team as well? Because truthfully, the those three contracts on those three aging players that should not all three be signed. Only two of them should be signed talking with Tang Mulkin, and Crosby. Like, do you want to go in there and try and navigate that? Because that is cap hell right now for a team that's locked into three guys that, that really, again, it really like, we said it back in the, uh, back at the start of this show, when we were doing like episode one, episode two, and talking about Pittsburgh. Um, they should not have re-signed both. They needed to sign just one of those two and make the decision and let the other one walk. And if it was Latang, it was Latang. If it was Molkin, it was Molkin. You couldn't make both work and be competitive.
1: Yeah, and, and really, I, I think the first thing you do with that team is you have a real hard look at Jeff Petrie and kind of figure out what you want to do from there. Yeah. Uh, but the... The, I, I think he probably would want to dive into it, provided he gets to make enough of the decisions. Because what they talked about that may have been a real hindrance, headache, whatever you want to call it in Toronto, is the structure they had for that. If is Dubas wants to do something, he takes it to Brendan Shanahan. Brendan Shanahan takes it to the board. The board talks about it, thinks on it for a while, comes up with an answer of whether or not he can do that. Uh, so re- reportedly as part of his You know counter offer is that He wanted more control over It which makes a lot of sense a lot Of mm-hmm. trades and you know draft Deal days come together That you have to be able to respond to Very quickly so uh, Having to go through that kind of Level of bureaucracy to You know do things I think would make uh, Things really difficult And maybe if you're given a Different kind of opportunity and pittsburgh where the buck stops with you that could certainly open up uh his eyes there yeah um all right you
0: mentioned it we were about to talk about it before we detoured for a second now it's time to get back on the road for this uh the coyotes they will not be hosting any form of outdoor game they will possibly not even be playing in the state of arizona in the near future as voters, uh, empathetically rejected the ballot initiative for the 2.1 billion entertainment district. That would have included a new arena for the coyotes, uh, crushing fans, hopes gutted the team's management. I mean, good golly, man. They were rolling around out there uh, believing that this was a sure thing. Uh, The CEO. Uh, President and CEO Xavier A. Gutierrez was like doing the rounds. It, it, it was it was very tepid, but like we got this in the bag. We're gonna get the vote. This is a good thing. It's gonna happen. Uh, and then he's out there the next day after this vote a week ago, doing radio interviews and TV interviews, and just completely deflated because Arizona had no plan B to not to this not happening. Uh, Gary Bettman, even his statement afterwards, the NHL is terribly disappointed by the results of the public referenda regarding the Coyotes Arena project. We are going to review the Coyotes, what the options might be going forward, which that statement is pretty damn big as well because it's one of the first times that Bettman has not officially stated they're not going anywhere. They're staying, the Coyotes are staying here. That was the first time we did not hear him make a, a statement of, despite what happened, they're not going. That would worry me if I'm a fan
1: of the Coyotes. Yeah. Yeah. The, and from what you hear talking to Coyotes fans, the writing's on the wall for them already. They, they don't have any delusions about what's happening here. And, and to them, it seems like the team is already gone. Uh I'm of two minds on it and and for, you know, the genuine hardcore fans and the people that, you know, like hockey in Phoenix, this is of course devastating, uh, of the, for the people that really don't like publicly financed arena deals. Uh, this is freaking awesome. Uh, they supposedly the group that was opposing this spent about $35,000 Uh, In in just, you know, advertising leading up to the election and opposing this while the the groups trying to get this passed spent two million dollars and did not come particularly close to winning. Uh, You know, it's it's a little bit like, you know, the uh, person that tries so hard to be unlikable and ends up, let's say, losing an election. And everyone's like, well, how could this person have lost an election? Uh, you know, the coyotes spend all this time, uh, you know, short selling vendors and that big article by Katie string in the athletic of the toxic environment there and not paying taxes to the city of Glendale. Uh, did I get to turn around? Well, how could Tempe not want us here? Well, you know how much time you got, uh, So, yeah, a lot of people are jumping to the conclusion that they are probably going to have to leave town. They will continue to play at Arizona State this year, and then we'll see what happens, I guess. Uh, The NHL definitely doesn't want more than one team for sale at any given time. So, Ottawa kind of has to get theirs wrapped up before we figure out what happens with the Coyotes. Uh, But, yeah, there's... The, the big thing they keep going back to is saying, well, let's get with the Suns and do an arena downtown. And, like, the owner of the Suns has made it really clear that he doesn't want anything to do with the Coyotes. But uh, we did have a – what was the name of the guy that owned the Clippers?
0: Uh, Why am I completely blanking on that? Yeah, I am as well. The one that had to uh, step aside.
1: Yeah. But anyway, a similar situation seemed to have happened with the Phoenix Suns. And I think that's the one thing that might save the Coyotes is if the new Suns owner, whoever that may be, uh, is on board with something like that.
0: Yeah. Uh, I, I have seen a little bit of the there is the possibility they could still stay. There is that little bit of hope. But you're right. It seems like it seems like the writing's on the wall. Uh, and and the fans are not dumb. They they know it is a big uphill battle to stay. After that uh, vote and Tempe just did not go their way, and and you're right, twenty three, twenty four. They they're still locked into Mullet Arena, so there will be at least one more season in Arizona for them to try and figure out the strategy. But where where do you see them going? Because uh, I know. I know the top place that I have constantly heard is, well, if they don't stay in Arizona, they're going to Houston.
1: Yeah. Like Houston is the, is the like hot one answer for that, which makes sense. It's the largest TV market that doesn't have a team. Yeah. Uh, another one that you, that you hear about kind of quietly is Salt Lake city. That one and made me very excited. Yeah, because the, hey, remind me, have you been to Utah? No, I have not been to Utah. Okay. Very beautiful place. People are very strange. Like they're nice to you, but you can almost kind of tell it's a fake niceness. So like what this is a church thing, maybe, I don't know. Uh, but yeah, it's, it's a, it's a pretty cool place. Uh, I think uh, going to Salt Lake City would be really good for the NHL. Yeah. Uh, the the big thing that comes up with this is that the NHL doesn't like teams or places making a lot of noise for it. So you could see yeah. something like Salt Lake City or Houston being rewarded if it's not constantly making headlines. Uh, Kansas City comes up because uh, they had an arena there without a tenant for a really long time uh, and just I, didn't I actually- have...
0: I, I, I was yeah. I, I was just gonna throw out that, that Kansas City, I'd say due to the football situation, makes them a nice little hotbed right now because you got Patrick Mahomes out there. And you know, if you kind of can, you can kind of try, uh, th- this is too clever for the NHL, which is why they'll never do it, but you can try and ride those, those coattails of, hey, there's a really good football team out here. Now we can get a hockey team out here and get a little bit of the attention off of that as well, uh, but it, it, yeah, that's but it, smart for the NHL.
1: Yeah, the, we we talked about how you know Green Bay drafts a you know really talented player, in the NFL says, "Okay, we're going to make Green Bay a really marketable team." Mm-hmm. The NHL just doesn't do that really well. Yeah, uh, and, and and you could say something similar. Half people don't know which state Kansas City is in. Uh, it's kind of a trick question because it's in both, but the chiefs play in Missouri. <laughs> so, so, so you would, I, d- I don't know. I feel like Kansas city is the default relocation threat that everybody wants to yeah. keep. So the Islander fans are like, having
0: oh, flashbacks right now.
1: Yeah. To when uh, Calgary teams need a new arena. Uh, they can threaten to go to Kansas city. So I don't see Kansas city realistically happening. Yeah. Uh, I, the other, the, there's two other names that get thrown out. Okay, I'm them. curious. Where are yours or on mine? As well. One is Atlanta, uh, because as as you as we've mentioned before, there's you know groups that have tried to put together so, or are actively trying to find a way to get a team there. Uh, to which, hey, I wouldn't mind seeing it. I, I th- think it's a little strange, uh, but we've talked about this before. Uh, and as far as the schedule re uh alignment goes i don't think the nhl is crazy interested in taking a western team and moving them east uh detroit does not want to do that again and columbus would throw a fit if you made them do that uh and then the other name that comes up is quebec city um so it's just no it's not going to happen. you're making fun of the Coyotes for playing in a arena that holds 5,000 people. Uh, Quebec City's, you know, supposed NHL-ready arena holds like 13. Uh, you have to depend on the Canadian dollar. We're, we're already seeing stuff where Winnipeg is struggling to, you, you know, stay afloat and threatening to relocate because they're not selling enough tickets. Uh, it's not going to work in Quebec City. It just isn't. Mm-hmm agreed and you would have also also when where we mentioned salt lake houston atlanta all have potential ownership groups that would want to put them there you know what quebec city doesn't have is an owner that would want to put them there yeah so i if i wanted a team in quebec city and i absolutely do not that would be the first thing i'd figure out is somebody to own
0: it yeah that's just me. uh i so I actually saw uh, three other names that you didn't throw out. Uh, I'll start with the one uh, with, with uh, the Canadian one. Uh, obviously the the other one I saw was the second Toronto team, which I just don't think that's will
1: never let it happen. Yeah, it's
0: not happening. Let it go. Like, it's really funny that Canadian fans – love making fun of American hockey fans, but we seem to know the business side of this sport better than they do. We seem to know that, like you just said, the Maple Leafs will never let that happen. They will never allow another team to come in and poach their fans or poach anything from them. It's not happening. As you mentioned, I saw a Quebec city as well, but I had the same feeling that you did. It's you make fun of how small the arena is now. You're only upgrading it by like six thousand people. Like you really like that's not that great. You're you're still going to be one of the. You're still going to be the smallest arena compared to everybody else. You know, and right. And, yeah. anyway, you then arguing the same thing that that Coyote fans are arguing is that the size of the arena doesn't matter. It's about the product on the ice. Yeah, it's not going to matter. It's not going to matter. Yeah. Um. But the two other names that you didn't throw out. Uh, I'll start with this one. Hartford, I feel like Hartford gets thrown out a few times every once in a while. No. Um, yeah, we want to go back to Hartford. We want to, go... and I guess like with the fact that you got ESPN right there, Why? Uh, that you could try and make that argument of oh, but if we're in the home of ESPN, then we're the, uh, we're the professional sport there. But I don't think it's going to happen okay. for reasons. I, I... Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't think it'll happen though, just in the sense of like what you said with what would take Atlanta out of the running. I don't think you want to move a west back to an east because then you got to realign it. And Detroit made it very clear that they don't want to be playing in the central time. And you're right, Columbus. You would you would ass- you would essentially kill the Columbus fan base by moving them to central time and making their home games start at uh, like not at that eight o'clock and nine o'clock yeah everything like, in your I,
1: division starting at eight o'clock and then a, as you continue to go further west it just gets gets worse yeah I did it for a I, long time as a fan. it sucked
0: yeah it's not it's not Wait, it's it's no it doesn't work but the one that i did think could work uh and it's a long shot sacramento california
1: Sacramento?
0: No. I I mean, why not? Hockey's been working in California, man, and Sacramento's got an arena already with the basketball. So if you're willing, if they're willing to share that arena, you've got.
1: The I, I did arena. hear, I did hear that the owner of the Sacramento Kings might be interested in something like that. But didn't the Sacramento Kings almost relocate as well?
0: Uh, that was back when we worked in sports talk radio, actually. And oh, that yeah. was a bit of, a uh, the arena. We want money. We're going to move. Yeah. That was that long ago, bro. <laughs> yeah. So to answer your question, uh, they have clearly not relocated, uh, and they've been okay since then. And they got the things that they wanted, which is why they stayed in Sacramento. Cause yeah, folks, at one point, when John and I over a decade ago worked in Sports Talk Radio and did the first version of this hockey podcast, there was talk that we could be getting the Sacramento Kings at the Virginia Beach oceanfront. And there was a whole everything of looking into an arena, looking into traffic, looking at it, uh, votes going on on whether or not they should build an arena at the oceanfront. Eventually, right? They, there was a
1: vote for it, wasn't there? Yeah,
0: eventually they oh, voted against it uh, and we went on the air and I was like, these people are morons because uh, I'm all for my taxes going up to bring in an arena to get a team, uh, which let's throw that out there. I mean, come on. Could we not could we not possibly get the Norfolk Rhino this time?
1: No, I you know what I thought about the other day? What's that? Is that if we had if we had the opportunity, could we do a daily two hour show on hockey? And I, I think we absolutely could. If we were if we had interviews coming in, I think we could do a three hour show on hockey. Uh, on a day where we're just kind of running out of steam this would be the topic we bring up is should an nhl team be in hampton roads call in yeah. now to tell us yeah. Where
0: 757-421-1400 <laughs> uh, yeah the i
1: i joked that you could always tell if they were phoning it in when uh we brought up should the redskins change their name
0: yeah which, uh, which so way I, to go on using the old name there guy <laughs> shouldn't Washington change their name? And they did, yeah. which is funny because yeah. now that I see some Facebook memories, uh, a lot of them are like 11 years ago. Tune in on 102.1 FM, 1490 AM. Today's topics, uh, you know, playoff rundown, this and that of the NBA and the NHL. Also pressure mounting on Dan Schneider to change the name of of the Washington
1: and I'm like, I'm team. like, wow, wow. And he's trying to get
0: an arena. Yeah. I'm like, oh my God. It's all, it was so, it's so funny cause it's just, it's the cycle repeats itself every, every single time. So yeah. except now I laugh cause I'm like, well, he's selling the team, the team name changed. And we're arguing about arenas in other cities now. So yeah. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's, I don't know. It's going to be interesting to see what happens. Um, especially because i i feel you know you said it after the ottawa thing really settles and all of that which did we ever talk ryan reynolds was out
1: i don't think we talked i don't think
0: we talked about that ryan reynolds and uh abel test are out so uh reynolds in the weekend no longer in on the bid but snoop d-o-double-g still
1: is and I, i mean nothing's done until it's done sort of thing i could see an ownership group reaching out and saying getting reynolds involved somehow i'm but still shocked be... that
0: uh snoop didn't do that because i felt like at that point you can align all the stars
1: you and i are not so dissimilar Ryan. Mm-hmm. uh that that sort of trope but yeah the uh hey ryan it, it i hear be...
0: you make gin i like mixing my gin and juice
1: <laughs> oh, oh god that they would sell it at the yeah, arena yeah.
0: i could just uh, see it right now especially because it's canada you have uh <laughs> you could have the smoke room and the gin and juice room oh god oh god uh <laughs> new D O W G bringing the cannabis to the <laughs> to the
1: o-t-t-a-w-a <laughs> It would be peak NHL to get, like, a bunch of celebrity interest in it, and the team ends up getting sold to just some businessman. Yeah,
0: some, like, oil tycoon or fracking guy that's like, if I want to make a winning team, I'll just open up another fracking line.
1: We'll never forget the look on Gary Bettman's face when he said that. (laughs) (laughs)
0: Yeah, yeah. Even myself, who at the time wasn't as uh, far along with the that's not a good thing, uh, was still kind of <laughs> like, that doesn't seem like that's a good thing. <laughs> and kind of speaks a lot of volumes to a lot of other things. Hmm. So actually, we could blame that in, that moment right there in time was the moment I was like, wait a minute. That seems bad. <laughs>
1: <laughs> that's when everything changed for me.
0: Yeah, that was what I was like. You know, maybe, maybe that it Maybe you shouldn't do that. Maybe you should, you know, stop doing that to make money. <laughs> but uh, that's neither here nor there. So, uh, I think was there anything we missed? I, I think maybe there was one thing we missed. Was it the? Uh,
1: oh, Joe Valente got suspended.
0: That's what it was team canada
1: yeah. yeah yeah for for a tournament that canada does not usually take that seriously <laughs> uh and there's a reason we don't talk about it much uh the world championships have been wild this year joe valeno stomped on nino niederreiter uh got a well-deserved five game suspension for that and then uh i was just i don't know how i missed this in our the hit to the show prep, but yeah, by Adam Fantilli. Yeah, or the not. No hit longer head. Michigan property. Uh,
0: wow, that was that hit was the Fantilli hit. Really, like, yeah, Volano one hundred percent deserved what he got. The Fantilli hit was just one of those where I was like, "What? the-, the What were you trying to?" Well, do well, no, like, to me, that's a clean hit in the NHL. That's a clean hit in any other league. About the world championship he uh, led with like, his elbow no he didn't okay no he didn't. okay no we've gone don't long don't
1: go into don't,
0: this. don't do that don't do that he did not lead with his elbow okay no no are you serious right now you really think he led with his elbow
1: but we we're an hour and a half deep we can't go into this now <laughs> <laughs>
0: Oh my God. I can't believe that. I, I I'm sorry. I know. I, like I kind of want to know because I, because I, I saw the hit and then I saw the slowdown of the hit and I went, Oh, that looks like the typical hit that I defend all the time. The one where it's player put his head down. He's a big dude. Guy skating with his head down, gets it with, with a shoulder lead. Like, accidental contact on the other things, but he's not looking to do anything. He's just a big dude. That's laying out a guy that's got his head down. Like that's honest to God, how I saw that hit in in every way that I watched it.
1: I'm trying to pull it up and watch it myself now. And now I can't find it. <laughs> of course you can't. Cause, cause Michigan had it erased. <laughs> that's what it was.
0: It's <laughs> had it, it erased. Um, yeah, I didn't, I I I hope you can find it because I am, I am curious because I did now, see it, a lot of people saying that, but I was kind of, I just kind of have reached the point as well of, I guess with a lot of hits like that, that I'm kind of at the, there's always going to be that crowd that's pissed. Not to say you're always a part of that crowd because you do, you do tend to call, you do, you do defend a lot of, like you defend some of the Truba hits and stuff like that. But I took this, Along the Scott Stevens trouble line, where
1: it's any I'm other watching league, it just I'm, again. It definitely looks like he makes contact with his elbow. I don't know if his elbow hits him in the head.
0: Yeah, because that's why he There's got. A- that's eventually why he got thrown out was because there was head contact with the L Yeah,
1: and 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 European rules in yeah. general are just yeah. way way more strict about stuff like that. Yeah. yeah. But I I would think if he was going to be suspended from competition for it, it would have been announced by now. So Yeah. I guess uh, they didn't think it was that bad either.
0: Uh, either that or the or the typical the the kicked out of the game was enough. Yeah, you know, one of those, but
1: We're, like stomping on a guy with your skate, like yeah, yeah. that's that's my games is light, frankly. No, that's
0: that's one step away from being the guy that took his skate off and tried to stab him.
1: And perhaps I'm defensive of Nino Niederreiter in that situation. I don't. know. I mean, I am it.
0: as well. I like Nino Niederreiter, and you know, it's bold of you to take a stance against a Red Wings player like that.
1: I, if I was playing in a in a hockey game, I would simply not do.
0: Yeah, that, if I was um, a hockey
1: coach, I would be like, "Don't do that."
0: Yeah, even in my most aggressive moments on the ice, I've never went, "Hey, I'm going to stomp on somebody."
1: Yeah, and it like, and it's not a thing to where like it crosses your mind, and you're like, "No, that could be a felony." Yeah, sort of thing. You just, you don't think to do that.
0: Yeah, I think I'm going to
1: punch somebody.
0: If worse comes to worse. Yeah. Like
1: I'm going to, maybe, I'm gonna, maybe I'm, Matt cook is Joe Valeno's agent. I don't
0: yeah. know. <laughs> Speaking
1: uh, of things from 10 years ago.
0: <laughs> all right, there we go. We're back. We covered it all and the Vegas golden Knights have a three nothing lead at the end of the first period. So uh you want to talk needs. about the Vegas golden Knights being up three Oh in the series. <laughs> well, let's just I'm, jinx I'm, the whole I'm, damn thing.
1: Yeah. <laughs> yeah that that was nick cursing the knights Uh, uh, blowing this lead not john
0: yeah yeah so that means i guess uh when we hit them with the plugs here in a second you'll know how to at me but john why don't you go first so they accidentally at you
1: uh i'm still on twitter at jt evans zero and i'm still on twitter wonderful underscore radio
0: Uh, until next week everybody Bye. bye bye
1: Pull me hair, stole me comb, that's all right till I go home She is handsome, she is pretty, she is the belle of Dublin City She is cards in a one-two-three, please don't you tell me who is she? Albert Mooney says he loves her, all oh, the boys are fighting far Knock at the door and the ring of the bell, home oh, but you love very well Up she comes as white as snow, rings on her fingers her bells and bells on a coat. Oh Jenny Morrissey says she'll die, doesn't get the fellow with a and eye In a wind and a rain and a hill go high, so comes shovelling from the sky she as sweet as apple pie She'll get her own life by and by When she gets a lot of her own one to the now, she goes on Nothing come my say, will Albert Mooney she loves still She is handsome, she is pretty She is the belle of the city She is car to the one, two, three Please let's tell me who is shy.